Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning, everybody. This is Sunday morning, 8 o'clock, and it's 790 KSD. This is Dean Greenberg bringing you the Money Matters Show. The Money Matters Show is going to try to talk to you and help you figure out how to make money in this market. Been doing a pretty good job talking to you on how everything is interwined between the geopolitical scene, uh, the national political scene, and how it all affects what's going on with the feds, the White House, and all the things. And uh, we've been uh, we've been pretty much right on uh, lately. Um, you know, we talked about uh, when we were down at 3,700 not too long ago on the S&P 500, and this was the end of June, the last week of June. Uh, you can go back and listen to the podcast right there to find out if I'm telling you the truth or not, because I know it. And we basically said, this is not the time to sell. This is not the time to sell. This is the time to reallocate your portfolio and get into really, really good companies, because those are the ones that are going to get bought. And I said, I think we can get back over 4300 and at that time, I will re- uh, uh, we would re-look at it and then re-decide uh, what do we want to do. And I'm going to talk to you today about what we did on Thursday as we went over 4,300. The one thing we did do, we stuck to our word. We stuck to our word. We stuck to our word by going ahead and uh, reallocating at the bottom. We stuck to our word by not selling out. We stuck to our word and waiting till we got to uh, 4,300. And we then decided to take some money off the table and reduce our risk. And that's the position we are in right now. This is the Money Matters Show, and it is sponsored by Greenberg Financial Group. Greenberg Financial Group is both a registered investment advisory and a broker-dealer. They are registered with the SEC, members of FINRA, and members of CIPIC. On this show, we talk about different ideas, products, strategies, you name it. And we're not all on the same page all the time. That's because I understand opinions are important, but opinions have risk. You need to know the risk prior to investing. You have to know your risk tolerance prior to investing. You have to understand how you're going to get in and get out or do whatever you're going to do prior to investing. Always understand the risks prior to investing. All right, so... Week ending August 19th, 222, we saw the markets down for the first time in three weeks. We've had a very good month so far. We've been up about 2.5% on the S&P and NASDAQ. Uh, we are also 2.5% on the Dow. That still leaves us at being down over 11% on the S&P and 18% in the NASDAQ. So we'll take it. You know, we're going to give up a little bit. We're only down a little over 1% or so in the S&P, and we're down about 2.5% in the NASDAQ. So where do you go from here? Well, the way the markets usually work is you've got these nice big push rallies when everyone gets scared, when people want to sell out, when you're sitting there going, 
I can't take this anymore. Those are when the rallies usually come. And then they get technically rolling a little bit. You get a little news that pushes it. And then all that news that was negative before ends up becoming positive. And then you get to the point you got what's considered overbought. We're probably in a little bit of an overbought situation right now when we got over 4,300. The thing is, is what do you do? Well, we reduce risk. We reduce risk by... We were in some two times the indexes like SSO and QLD, and we sold those. There's no reason to be two times the index after we've just had a pretty decent rally of about 15% or so. Reduce your risk. Raise cash. We hedge the accounts. We put a little bit of two times the inverse, which actually makes money if the markets go down. Does that mean we're not going to lose when the markets go down? No, if the markets go down here, we're going to lose. We're not going to lose as much, and we've always made a nice gain back, and we'll use all that cash and all the inverse and everything we did to reallocate back in if the markets fall. Do I think they're coming back to 37, 38, 3600? No, not now. I do think they can come down to around 4,000 or so, maybe to 3,900 to 4,000. Anything under 4,000, I'm looking to start putting that money back to work. That means it will come back down about 8% from where we were, and that's okay for me. We'll look for opportunities again. Remember, September is not the greatest month. It's probably one of the worst months for being up. And October's had the biggest move downs, and that's when the market usually bottoms. So if you look at where we were and how we've rallied back, it all fits in. Also, another thing that's very important is you have to understand we are no longer have the Federal Reserve stimulating the economy. In fact, the Federal Reserve is trying to slow the economy, and they will continue to raise interest rates because they're afraid of inflation. The problem we have is the administration on the other side does not, does not care other than giving money to people. They have now thrown another almost trillion dollars into the economy, which is going to do what? Make the job for the Federal Reserve even harder. Because now we're going to have money again, liquidity again, to do what? To make a good economy even better, which means it becomes inflationary. And it's very interesting that the question that keeps being asked on the uh, on the bill that Biden just signed about the uh, 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 Inflation Reduction Act, RIA, Re Inflation Reduction Act, on why they think it's going to reduce inflation when the economist, the best economist in the world said, at best, it's only going to do a little and it's probably not going to do anything and there's a better chance of, of fueling inflation than reducing it. So you start seeing these uh, left uh, stations and some of the po uh, 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 politicians on the left starting to talk about, well, it's a climate and health bill, not so much an Inflation Reduction Act. Well, they got it through because they, everybody's worried about inflation. But it's not going to do anything on inflation. In fact, it might fuel more inflation. We'll see. The interesting part is that when gas prices went up, we were told 
that it wasn't Biden's fault. He did nothing to do anything. It's the war in Russia. It's this and that. Well, the war in Russia is still going on. Gas prices have come down. And guess what he says? It's his fault. It's his. It's the reason is is because he's brought them down on the things he's done. I am so t- sick and tired of the administration and the politicians thinking that people like you and I are stupid. Because we're not. We understand what's going on. And I've kind of just came to the conclusion they are going to try to pull the wall over our eyes. i got to open it up, see what's going on, and make money from it. And that's it. We know when the Fed is no longer in there, the markets are going to get overvalued and undervalued. When the Fed is in there, they're going to get very overvalued and have a little bit of a tough time coming back. So when we're in this situation now, what we have to do is realize that the Federal Reserve has one mission. And their mission is to stop inflation. And that is in total contrary to the administration that just wants to give money out, stimulate the economy, worry about uh, a, a climate change. That's the disguise they're using. It's the climate. It's this. It's that. Okay? You know what? I want a good climate, too. I want, I want clean air. I want clean water. I want all those things. Absolutely. The way they're going about it is the most ad hoc, all over the place type of of way of doing it. And it all comes down to what? They stimulate the economy by putting in money. What you and I don't even know is probably the other thousand things that are in this bill that is going to go out there that we're going to find out over the next year or two that are actually in there. They always talk about the highlight of the two or three. What about everything else they stuff in there? And you know how I feel about this. If you really were trying to tax the rich, you never would have gotten rid of the one thing that you could have done, and that's the carried interest. The carried interest is the one thing that we know billionaires and people that are making a lot of money, 10, 50, 100 million dollars or more, are benefiting from. They get it marked as they pay taxes as capital gains instead of regular income. That's why you hear Warren Buffett himself say, oh, it's a shame that I pay a, a, a percentage less than my, 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 than my, uh, than my uh, secretary. Well, do something about it, Warren. All you guys should have stepped up and said, all right, you're right. It's not fair to us. But no. Cinema, our senator, decides to fold for $2.4 million and be able to go ahead and take that out. Why? Because she got the $2.4 million to go ahead and campaign again so she can stay in as senator next year. It is such a, a scheme. It is so ugly, and it's not helping you, nor I, or the economy. People can't, I, I, I look out there, it's so, it's unbelievable what's happening in the world. You don't even realize there's still a war going on in Ukraine. Has anyone stopped and said, anyone in the media say, why is there still a war going on? If we were squeezing off Russia from any of their assets and their, and their income from gold, uh, uh, from gold or their income from uh, um, the markets or their income from oil, How could they still survive? There should be an uprising in Russia. 
but they keep moving along because, you know what? It's all lip service. They cut back a little here, they cut back a little there. And then the excuse is, well, Europe needs it. Well, what side are we on? We should be the ones giving all the oil and gas to Europe, not Russia. Period and simple as that. We are the ones that should be cutting them off. It's never going to happen. And that's why I said, why are we even in war? Why are we allowing people to kill each other over pol politics and power? That's all it is. And all you hear from the media is a once-in-a-while thing, because yesterday or the other day they were talking about uh, the nuclear uh, uh, plant in Ukraine, the biggest one in Europe, and then Russia's trying to aim, uh, uh, is go after it. Yeah, that's a disaster, guys. What are we doing? Shut them off. Close it down. Let's move on. And then, you know, it comes out now, the CDC is backpedaled a little bit. So, you know, and then they bring it up everything else. What is there to believe? The problem we have is nobody wants to believe anything that is going on. Nothing. I don't. I don't believe a word that comes out of Washington anymore. I cannot believe the administration is putting all the pressure on the Fed to continue to raise interest rates in an environment that all they need to do is open up the supply chain and fix the supply chain, and we wouldn't be in this, in this inflationary period. But they're not fixing the supply chain because they're worried about unions and everything else they're worried about, and guess what's going to happen? We are going to have so much more inflation. So here's my, here's my game plan. Here's my picture. We've rallied up here, kind of stalls for a while, trades back and forth a little bit, then you kind of fall off. I don't think we're going down much lower than 4,000 to 3,900 if we even get there. Somewhere in September or October is going to be a place that we can go ahead and start putting risk back on in our portfolios. I think going into the end of the year, we're going to start seeing a little bit of inflation coming down a little bit. You're going to see the markets happy. They're going to interpret things good. The last time that they uh, will have one big raise from the Federal Reserve in September, then they're going to cut back on how much they're raising. Markets rally into the end of the year. Somewhere probably over 4,300, maybe 44, 4,600, we end the year. Or into next year, into the first quarter. Maybe not, we don't rally that high. But somewhere around here, I think we can get to about 4,600 late in the year, beginning of first quarter next year. Then, second quarter, third quarter. Right now, I'm anticipating that's when we have the recession. That's when I'm anticipating this inverted yield curve will kick in. That's when I'm anticipating that this new money from this new bill is going to stop being more inflationary. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some good things in every bill. The fact that they can lower Medicare a cost for pharmaceuticals is great. But, you know, I just got on Medicare. I started asking people about it. Most people are already at a low point. There's people that are ill that need some drugs that are expensive. I'm not going to deny that. But why don't we focus on those rather than the entire thing and put it in a bill to try to say how great it is? To cap everything at 2000 okay, that's great. That's all you got to do then. Most people aren't there. I don't know about you. I, I, most of my, my uh, 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 drugs that I have to take is zero. The two or three things I got to take is zero. 
I don't pay. So they just send it to me every three months. I had to pay before. Now I don't pay. So I don't know how great that is. I don't know where they're going with it. Those that have to do it, yes, there's certain areas. Let's take care of it. But we always make it so big. The other thing is that that, that was in there that was, you know, pretty good as you know, that, that was the health side is it, it, taxing a little bit in, in the areas where they can and they didn't and they failed. And I was upset with that. You're going to make your fair share pay, then do it. I'm still wondering how they're going to go ahead and make corporations that don't pay 15% pay 15%. What are they going to do if they don't change the law and change the rules? Hey, by the law that Congress has put out, You only have to pay 5% corporation, but because you're a billion-dollar corporation, we're going to make you pay another 10%. How is that legally okay? It doesn't matter. I don't see how that's going to happen. You can't put a minimum on something unless you change the rules. Change the law. You did like the carried interest. You don't want to change that one. So the others are so convoluted, you just kind of let it go. And by the way, 87,000, 87,000 more IRS agents? I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, unless you are not paying taxes now, that scares the hell out of you. Because you and I both know how powerful the IRS is. They can do anything. They can find anything on you. If they want to sit and go over something with you, they're going to find something. And then you're going to have to go ahead and discuss it with them and go over it with them. And sometimes you're going to have to compromise with them. Even if you're using accountants and everything else, it's interpretation. And believe me, I deal with the government agencies all the time. The SEC and FINRA and the Arizona Corporate Commission. Got to deal with them. It's all the same. The IRS... 87 new thousand. What are you, how are they going to get paid? They're going to get paid because they have a mission to go find problems. They say they're going to go find the people that are cheating. Well, if you know who's cheating, then why don't you just go after them now? Okay, I'll tell you who's cheating. Most of the politicians are cheating. Liz Cheney, she had $10 million, $8 million net worth before she came into Congress four years ago. How is she worth 40 million plus right now how is that possible i want to know we'd be the richest people on earth imagine that go from eight to 40 plus so eighty-seven thousand new irs agents okay do i get the fact that maybe we need some more yeah i people i know in the irs they're, they're pretty much overworked they say they need some more so why don't you go get twenty-five thousand more to help what's there, and let's take the other 50,000-plus and put them and start a whole no way of border control and a better system of bringing the people legally into our country. Why don't we hire 50,000 new people that can learn that job? They have to learn how to do the IRS stuff, too. 50,000. Could you imagine? Hey, we're going to fix this border. And we're going to change the way we're doing it. And we're going to bring in legal people that are going to be able to help us. All right? Not hurt us. Help us. We're going to teach them English. We're going to teach them how to do skills. We're going to look at what industries need help and put them there. Put the money towards that. 
have it to where they're not waiting two or three years to have a court case and you're never going to find them. Secure the borders and increase, improve our immigration system. We have laws we don't abide by them because people don't think they're good at the, 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 the right laws. Well, you know what? Whether they are or not, they should be abided by. That's number one. Number two, if you don't like them, let's change them. And if you're going to change them, bring on more people so we can handle this. I think it's a joke. I love the fact the idiot mayor in New York is acting like we don't care about people because we're busing them uh, uh, from Arizona and Texas to New York and Washington. If you don't think that's unbelievable hypocrisy in these sanctuary cities, then I don't know what to tell you. Because at the end of the day, it's costing us as state so much money to just do what we're doing. They get a few busloads, and we're, we're inhumane. We don't know how to take care of it. You know what? I'm sick and tired, and I'm a New Yorker, listening to these whiny, left, bratty New Yorkers, okay, that are so hypocritical about paying taxes, they're so hypocritical about education, they're so hypocritical about the border, they're so hypocritical about everything. Because as soon as it touches them, they want nothing to do with it. But yet they can yap their mouths off just like Hollywood does. Pretty war- It's amazing, isn't it? It's the, two, it's the two coasts. They yap their mouths off, but when it comes down to them, they, they cheat, they, they, they're biased, they want everything their way, and they are the ones that are getting away with murder. And you know what? Do something. If you don't like what you're getting, think about it a hundred times worse in Texas and Arizona. And you know, I think, I hope our new governor... And I hope it's Carrie Lake. All right? We need to push her. You know what? You don't want to do anything about our borders? I'm going to do something about our borders. I'm going to build the fence. I'm going to go ahead and make sure that we have the right people coming in. We're going to go ahead and detain them. And you know what's going to be like Rudy Giuliani did in New York in the 70s when it was so horrible and disgusting and people were getting hurt all the time, getting killed, murdered, robbed. He said, not in my city. And guess what? They went other places. Well, not in my state is what I want to hear the governor of Arizona saying. Not in my state. And I'm going to fix things in my state. And if you don't like it, go someplace else. That's what I want to hear. Okay? Because you know what? This weakness and this hypocrisy is only going to keep hurting. What's going to happen with all these people? It's going to cost us money. Keep taxing us so we can pay for illegal immigrants. Does that make any sense in the type of inflationary period we're in? Hell no, it doesn't. So I want us to be able to see our economy growing without the Federal Reserve having to be there to support it. I want interest rates to maintain and, and, and mortgages maintained in this level, maybe lower. You know what? We're not going to go back. We don't need to go back in the twos. Three and a half to four and a half. If we can stay in that area, we're going to do great. We can keep interest rates down if they did other things. Nobody wants to look out to what it takes to have a 25, 50-year, 100-year plan. You know who does? And you know it, and I know it. China does. And that's why China is moving forward and doing things 
And the only time we ever hear it is when. When Pelosi goes over there and the rattles start shaking. All right? There's so much stuff going on behind the scenes that is so bad for America, it's almost embarrassing. They, were, You know, all these people that said they were embarrassed of Trump, I'm so much more embarrassed of what's going on in our country now than I've ever been. All right? We're not worth. All we do is, is, is try to expose people, and it all becomes harassment, and it becomes a, a false narratives. There's no truth anymore. And the worst people out there right now is the news. So summing it up, the markets rallied big. We've taken some money off the table. We've reduced our risk. We hedged. We're looking for a pullback. When that happens, we're going to be in good shape. All this stuff that's going on in Washington and the Federal Reserve affects the markets. Look for opportunities on a pullback, and we'll all then look for going forward. We'll be right back. This is the Money Matters Show. We have a full crew today, and I thank you for listening. Say it's only a Welcome back, everybody. This is the Money Matters Show. Have everybody here today. We're here with Dylan and Stephanie and Todd and Dave. Good morning, everybody. Morning, Dean. Good morning. Good. All right. First week down in three weeks. A lot of stuff going on. Give me input. Rain is falling. Temperatures are moderating. Fall is approaching. People are coming back from their summer vacation. Football preseason is underway. The Little League World Series has started. What more do we need, Dean? Dave, you're so weird every time. <laughs> you just don't go down the road of wanting to talk about the business. Just remember so when I'm you... going to move on to Stephanie. <laughs> Stephanie? Well, this, you know, well, today's Sunday. Uh, but uh, Friday uh, <laughs> broke the streak for the summer rally. But the big news this week was Bed Bath & Beyond, which the meme stocks, Making their return is kind of frustrating as well. So that was the big news. I don't even then. know why that's even news. I'll tell you right now. People ask me about it. Oh, this is right out there. You like this stuff? I said, you know what? I don't give a crap anymore. If you guys have not learned your lesson from all those meme stocks going up and going down, and I promise you most of you have all lost money unless you got in at one time and then, didn't, and then got out. I don't want to hear it. There's so many good companies that went down that you were able to buy. That made good money back. Look, that was news because uh, Cohen Capital had a big – they had a big position in um, Bed Bath & Beyond, and they said they were going to keep it. They ended up selling it, actually, by the end of the week. But Cohen Capital was the one that had the big position in GameStop and kind of started the whole meme stock stuff. So that's why it was big news. And it's big news because, it's moving. again, it's the social media, the memes. like all A these, 20-year-old yeah. made $110 million. Exactly. So they see it, and they have the apps on their phone to do it themselves. That's why it's big news, because it's people that are trading and trying to well, do it themselves. It's not understanding what's it, actually going on. It's, it's also, do you, are you going to keep going with it? Because last time it kind of started with GameStop, then it trickled down to AMC, then a bunch of others, and it kind of just skyrocketed okay. from there. So are you thinking if it hits big with Bed Bath & Beyond like they thought maybe it would, is it going to ignite another rally back like, what, May 2020? That's maybe what was being talked about as well. All right, that's great, but here's the deal. I don't care. Right. I'm Maybe just I'm saying why it was news. I don't. Maybe I'm old school. That news should not even be out there. All it is is sensationalism. They want to do it. That guy, Ryan Cohen, they're going to be investigated because what he did just isn't the right way to be investing in these markets. All right? You, can't, you just can't do this. This is why people get hurt and they stop it and they call it gambling. We have just had over two months the best way to invest. Stocks came down. 
Apple came down, Meta came down, Microsoft came down. All the stuff that we need came down and have gone up 20, 30, 40% after dropping so big. Let the amateurs play in that. I don't want to play in that. Well, that's the point. We don't play in that, but that's why you hire an advisor to make the decisions for you so you're not stuck in that mess and having to try to figure it out yourself. Oh, yeah, because we were buying when those uh, big companies, those good companies like we've been talking about for months now, were on discount. We were buying those. Right. I think Dean Dean mentioned in his monologue uh, this past week we took a 5% downside position. Just uh, We said when the S&P 500 got to 4,300, we were going to take some defensive measure, but we did take a 5% position to the downside. If we got to 4,400, we're going to raise that to 10%. And remember, that doesn't mean you don't lose money if the market goes down. Absolutely. But we took, I came, anybody that had two times the index to the upside sold those. Yep. We went to cash, we raised some cash, trimmed back some of those positions that have rallied so much with the opportunity. If it keeps going without a pullback, all it's doing is extending. Sort of that like rubber band like it did to the downside. The risk gets greater, you need to reduce risk. The reward gets greater, you need to step up. And, and everyone do- does the opposite. And you mentioned in your monologue that the last two weeks of August and the month of September are the seasonally the worst six weeks for the market. Uh, October, of course, has a reputa- bad reputation because that's been the home for several of the major crashes. Uh, but uh, uh, you're right, Dean. We get to November 1st, November 1st to January 31st, 60% of all gains during that 90-day period, historically. So we we got a period right now where it's, it's probably not a good time to be aggressive. It's a, a good time to be cautious. It doesn't mean you sell out. But, but I think, Dean, it was five weeks ago today that you sat there in that chair and said, we're down, we're at, we've gone too far too fast, bye. You know, and, and I'm sitting there going, yeah, God, really? Um, and, and that's exactly what happened. And, and that's a good example of why you maintain that core, because out of nowhere comes an 18% rally, out of nowhere. And if you had gone to cash waiting for the ideal time to get back in, guess what? It's just the train just left the station, and you're sitting there at the station going, gosh darn it, there went And we again. had people come in saying, I went to cash, what do I do now? Yeah. All right, well, you got to just look at it new money. That's how you have to look at it. It's new money. And Dylan, what do you do when new money comes in? Oh, we dollar cost average it in. We're not trying to time the markets. We dollar cost average, which is, say, and it depends because you can do it in a couple different ways. You can put 25% in, say, September 1st, money comes in. Put it in then. Then you put it in October 1st, November 1st, December 1st. Or if you want to be a little more aggressive in the sense, you can put 33% in and then 33%. So it's just like a couple months quicker. But then we also look if we, you know, have a couple of bad days where the market's dropped quite a bit, then we do look at those Absolutely. people that we've dollar cost averaged, you know, that we still have some funds to deploy. Oh, yeah. I mean, if we see if in a two-week period, say we put money to work uh, 25% on September 1st, the first 25%, and then in three weeks, it, the market's dropped 15% just because of bad news or whatever, we're not going to wait till October 1st because, I mean, it's down 15%, you know? Opportunities as as they're available, right? And, exactly. And the market does. I, I, Dean, I'm not sure I disagree with you as far as the pullback because we're in a seasonally tough time of the year. But it seems like other than Friday, every dip this week was bought, except uh, Friday. Except Friday. Yeah, Friday. The, right. And but but if my experience has told me when the markets make a huge move one way or the other, they don't just reverse. What happens is it goes and it kind of goes into a neutral pattern for a little bit. Then it starts coming down, and then everybody that was thinking about getting out then starts getting out. Then it, 
you know, overdoes it again to the downside until buyers come in. Now, I don't believe it's going back down to 37, 38, 3600 where we were. I do think somewhere around 4,000 or under just under 4,000, 3950 to 4,000 would be a great buying opportunity again. And that would be about a 7, 8% move down from where we were at 4,300. Yeah. And again, because of the seasonality, that certainly wouldn't be shocking. I think, uh, you know, we're technically in a recession. We've talked about that. I don't think most people believe it's actually a recession other than the two consecutive quarters of negative GDP. Right. I, and I, I'm in that camp too. I, I, and I was saying that just because you had two quarters, everything has changed the way we look at stuff. A recession, you don't have labor. Uh, at all-time low unemployment. You don't have wages going where they're going. You don't have those things. Do I think we're going to have a recession? Absolutely. I think it's going to be next year. I think it's third, second, third quarter next year. You don't have an inverted yield curve like this, and it's the longest yield, inverted yield curve we had in a while that doesn't end up six months, uh, uh, 12 months to 18 months later having a recession. Talk about what that means, inverted yield curve. You don't know? I do. I'm just I do. <laughs> an inverted yield curve is when the short-term rates, the two-year rate and the five-year rate, then are yielding more than a 10-year and a 20-year and a 30-year. And why would that be? That sounds weird. That's because the interest that the, that the Federal Reserve is raising rates. So when they're raising rates, they're only affecting the short-term rates. They're not affecting the long-term rates. So the short-term rates go higher. Why do they th say then a recession comes? The recession comes because the Federal Reserve, as they raise rates, it's slowing down the economy. It costs companies more to borrow money. It costs banks more to borrow money. It costs individuals to borrow money. The reason they're raising rates is because you usually have a situation like high inflation, and they want to stop inflation. The other thing that ends up happening is companies stop hiring the way they were doing it and actually start laying off corporations. And when you start doing that, and unemployment goes up, and that's why I said it hasn't happened yet, and you have that layoff, Earnings start coming down. You start having earnings lower. You don't have the people working. That's a recession. And I don't think it's going to be long-lived, okay? I mean, you know, you, you can listen to these economists all day long, Dave. I mean, I, I, on Friday, I listened to, I listened to C, CNBC. I'm telling you, 30% of the day was all about that damn uh, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Yeah. I mean, come on. There's so much more to teach and, 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 and give information to, to the people that are listening, but all they want to do is keep that going. And those people there are smart. They are, they're, they're, they're usually Ivy League uh, uh, graduates that are on there. They know what's going on, or have they become such just, my job is just to be on TV and, and, and not analyze. The one that does, obviously, is in the morning. Joe Kernan does, sure. and, and uh, Kramer does, and, and David Faber does. They actually look at it and try to make decisions on stuff. The rest of them just, you know, it's like, what happened? You know, where, where, where's your sense of knowing what's going on? And that's what people need to know today. I think there's so much fluff in everything we do today that no one knows what's really going on. The yield on the two-year Treasury last week jumped up to, to 3%. It was a 5% move, uh, and but the yield on the, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, the 10-year is 3%. The yield on the two-year Treasury is 35 yeah, uh, three and a quarter. I'm sorry, three and a quarter. That's a pretty significant difference. You would think the longer out you go, the higher the rates would be. That's what we're used to seeing. That's a typical yield curve. So for a two year to be uh, a three and three, uh, for a two year to be three and a quarter, well, the ten years three. That's very very unusual, and typically precedes a recession.
Right, and that will happen once we slow down and the anticipation of lowering rates again. Then the short-term rates will come down, the long-term rates will come down, and that's the situation we'll be in. I don't even want the rates to go as low as they were. You know, you, if you go to mortgages that are 35 5%, 5% even, that's good rates. Yeah, they go as low as they were. There's yeah. obviously a problem. Right. You know? Yeah, and you're saying the third quarter next year, roughly, we think, because typically with this inverted yield curve, you see the change coming within the next few months, not like the next month, but like six, seven months later. All right, we'll be right back. This is the Money Matter Show. We do appreciate you listening. Thank you from everybody. Welcome back. It's the Money Matter Show. Appreciate you listening. We got Dylan and Todd and Stephanie, Dave, and myself, Dean, here bringing you. If you want anything, you need anything, you have questions, give us a call. Come see us. I mean, there's a lot of people lately coming to see us. We've been busy. It's a good thing. Very good thing. We were talking about recession in the last segment. And, Dean, I think real estate probably is the key to the length and the depth of, of any recession we're going to be dealing with. You know, the builder sent, home builder sentiment went negative last week. It's only the second time in eight years home builders and realtors are now using the term housing recession. Well, yeah, they say we finally entered the housing recession. Yeah, prices are dropping. Demand's down 20% for each of the last two months. Um, so I, I but think I wouldn't say demand's down. It's the problem is the interest rates are where they would normally be at, you know, builder traffic. Six, yeah. But people had bought these houses or had them built with home builders. And then now they can't afford it because the interest rate has gone up so high that now when the house is ready, they can't afford the mortgage that, you know, is tied to the house. But the demand is still there. I just think people cannot afford it because the people that have to get mortgages can't the, afford the, as, big, as much. It's not they house. can't afford it. They, they they can't get uh, uh, accepted. Well, you can't afford it if you right. can't get accepted. Well, I right. Mean, well, so well, some people can. I mean, they can afford it because people. You know how the mortgage thing works, okay? Yes. People have different incomes from different places. But if you're not going to get the mortgage because you don't fit into their 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 categories of numbers, you're not going to be able to get it. You're not going to qualify. But that's what's scary is that those people that they usually, if you apply for a mortgage, you qualify for much more then you should, you know, actually right. get because you don't want to be house poor. Like that's not your only debt and uh, so that's a problem if they thought before they could because and, and people that have two and three quarter mortgage they don't want to get rid of the houses. No. Right, right. And the home builders, the home builders are the ones reporting the 20% decline in traffic right. uh, for yeah. each of the last two months. I have a top realtor here in Tucson uh, who puts out a newsletter. He said over the last couple of months in Tucson we've experienced a precipitous drop in buying interest which should create a more healthy, sustainable pace. And I was speaking with one of our clients who's one of the top realtors in Yuma, and uh, she was uh, funding her retirement account. And she said, I said, it's been a great time to be a realtor. And she said, yes, it has, but things are changing. Well, but before it wasn't a great time because you, 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 had, you didn't have any inventory and you had buyers and you couldn't get it done. Now if you have inventory, you just need to find the buyers and it should be easier. Well, and a lot of the, you know, inexperienced realtors were listing these houses for much higher because of the current environment and what was going on, especially in Tucson with all the investors coming in, the cash offers above asking, you know, waiving appraisals, all that stuff. And then now it's uh, going back to normal. So that's why you see those price drops because they were, you know, uh, inflated more than they should have been. But that's the inexperienced realtors. You remember I was looking at that house that I wanted to yes, purchase. Yes. They, they yes. wanted 1.44. Right, right. 
I offered 1.475, right? They sold for 1.6 cash. It went back on the market three weeks ago for 1.7. They can't find anyone that even wants to look at it. I don't think that's the same house. It is. No, it's, it's the exact same, same house. Exact same it's house? the exact same house. Because there's one very similar to <laughs> no, it. No, Dave, it's, Dave, it's, it's the, the exact house. same house. What they did was put probably $10,000 worth of paint and like cheap furniture, it looked like, and like took all the character away from the house and trying to sell it for another hundred fifty grand. Interesting. Yeah. And I, you know, I've, I've been saying that there's a lot more for sale signs popping up around town. Uh, yesterday, uh, this past week, I saw something I hadn't seen in a long, long, long time. Price reduced. Yeah. But the goal of somebody that thinks that they can come in and go ahead and do that and make a bit of the fortune already deserves to lose. At the end of the day, they deserve to lose. Well, because like, what they did is they forced other people out that really wanted the house yeah. from, from, from enjoying it and wanting it and caring about it. And they wanted to do it, and now they're going to get screwed. And there's a lot of people that have done that on a lot of houses, and they're going to, and they're going to get hurt on it. And they should get hurt because they, they went into it for only one reason. They wanted to flip it. Houses aren't for flipping. You get a window of maybe three or four or five months to be able to do it, okay? If you go in and you buy a house and you fix it up, that's a different story. You're putting some effort into it. You know what I mean? You buy a fixer-upper, you do it, you get something out of it. But, you know, you're buying a house that's already done and think you're going to be able to make money real quick? Well, see, that's not real estate. The last couple years, like, that wasn't a flip environment. Right. I mean, it's it when the market's down in the housing market where you get a bargain and then you, you know, fix it up. And But that hasn't been the case. I've seen a lot of people buying the houses to rent because rent is increasing at an outra- outrageous right. rate that people can't afford rent either. So, Well, the way people live now are going to change, too. Where you used to live by yourself, you'll have roommates and stuff. And, that, you know, when you never wanted a roommate, you have a roommate because you can't afford the rent. Well, but you don't want to live in a bad section, so you. I can't imagine having to get a roommate with kids. That's scary. Like well, that, you, you not well, 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 you're a whole different case. No, I mean that's kind of like how people live in big cities for years: New yeah. York, Chicago, L.A., and all that. They've always had people have always yeah. had roommates. Right. Well, now LA, it's trickling LA, down to Tucson type of places. L.A. Houses. A lot of people rent rooms. Right. Yeah, that's it's what I'm just saying. a room. Yeah. Well, that's how Airbnb you know, started. You pay six, seven, eight hundred dollars a month for a room. Right. That's how so Airbnb that's started. Well, look you. You out perfectly. Not because you wanted to, but just the way your life went. You know what I mean? You end up meeting someone and, and decided to get married. You bought a house right before it all went up. When Dave said, okay. who the hell would sell a house or buy a house right now? Right. So you sold your house. You buy a house. In six months, you have to sell it because your marriage didn't work out. And guess what? You made a lot of money. It was a year. It was just perfect. Yeah. All no, the bad was- stuff you went through. I was glad that and was one good thing for And then when I had to buy you. the house because I didn't want to pay $700 more a month for the same house to rent, right? then they accepted my offer because it was an older couple that happened to be there when I stopped by, and they chose mine instead of the cash offer. That's ridiculous, but right. you know. So. Well, when you, show, make up, it a home when you show up as a single mom with two young girls, uh, two young kids, yeah. it's very hard to say no to you. <laughs> <laughs> please, please. Well, I didn't say please. I was just my normal self. But anyways, I did get lucky, <laughs> and the interest rates jumped the next week. So right. You lucked out. It was yeah. great. Now, something good had to happen to you because it was a lot of stuff. I mean, heck, you came on board, and what happened? The pandemic. Yeah. Then you go move into the house, and then there's the fires. <laughs> <laughs> a dark cloud. We were wondering why was, we thought you were Linus there for a second. <laughs> All right. Well, oil had dropped nearly 10% during the week at the low. It got down to uh, the lowest level since January. Uh, midweek, it was 85.73. Finished the week at 90.40, which is down to $1.60. And remember, the high was 130. 
Of course, remember the low, right, Dean? Yep. Minus 30. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember that? Those futures were trading negative. Gold got hammered because interest rates moved up, and that makes the dollar move up. Oil's price, excuse me, gold's priced in dollars. Gold was down 54 bucks on the week. Bitcoin got trashed because when risk comes off, guess where it comes off first and hardest? Bitcoin. Yep. 13%. And I liked what you said a couple about a couple months ago, Dave, about Bitcoin being almost like a futures. Um, when the when the market stops trading, you can look at Bitcoin because it's such a risk on asset that when it goes down, you can kind of go to see that the market's going to be going down. It's so well. sensitive. I can look at that first thing in the morning and tell you what the market's going to do, or tell you what the market is going to do at the open. I agree. It's it's a really good indicator. It's the first thing I look at every morning, uh, because it's it is a risk on asset, and it's very sensitive uh, to movement. So. Uh, that how about Disney? Uh, one of our larger positions uh, that's been struggling mightily for a number of reasons, and uh, it had rallied 35 percent in the last 30 days. Moved higher on Monday on news that activist Dan Loeb's third-party point, a uh, third point, has taken a stake in the company. Um, and his goal is to enhance shareholder value. We all know what that means. Um, let's spin off ESPN. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's. You know, the, the, any number of things that uh, that they can do to enhance shareholder value. Talking about that, it's like I cannot believe how much some of these they're, they're paying right now for, for like, the football contract. Oh, my goodness. Did you guys see the Big Ten contract? Yeah. Oh, man, over yeah. $7 billion, with a B, dollars for a seven-year contract, which actually gets bigger as it goes and starts off smaller because until USC and UCLA get in it. $7 billion. I cannot imagine what the SEC contract's going to be with ESPN and ABC yeah. is that and who Amazon. Is that who they're signing with? Oh, who? Uh, SEC. Well, that's the only people that's not left. I the mean, Pac-10. Yeah. The they Pac-10. got CBS, oh, NBC, Big and Ten. Fox. The Big Ten. Oh. So the SEC is going to go with ABC and ESPN, which are the same, and they're going to go with the streaming services. You're going to see well, Amazon put up some big money for them, too. SEC had CBS contracts before, and they probably right. said no to the $7 billion, so they took Big Ten. I mean, they're probably going to get $10, $12 billion. I know. LeBron James should be embarrassed taking just a hundred million and for two years. Just embarrassing. So, well, uh, did you see his? He made the most money guaranteed ever in NBA <laughs> Is history. Is that now. amazing? Hundred million dollars for two years. He's now made five hundred and thirty-eight million as <laughs> guaranteed money. <laughs> I can't believe I went from loving the guy to hating the guy. I've never done that with an athlete that's great before. Was he thirty-seven years old? I loved the way old? he went to, to down and worked hard and went to Miami and did what he needed to do. Then I loved the way he went to back to Cleveland and won. There's something about going to L.A. Yeah. that has turned my stomach with him, the way he acts. I mean, it's like you're not, you're not LeBron anymore. You forgot where you came from, LeBron. You came from hard-nosed Cleveland, okay? And now you act like this fruity-tooty, uh, uppity uh, L.A. Uh, Hollywood guy. It's like, come on, man. Get, get, get real. It's come on, man. It's starting to get into politics. It's you know, what? It's when he started trying to have positions on yeah. politics and stuff instead of yeah. just. But it didn't seem like it wasn't like what he used to talk about at all. It was when he got to L.A., everything kind of changed. Did like a 180. Michael Jordan, greatest guy ever. Yeah. Greatest player ever. Okay, still competitive. And he still does the things he wants to do. And he still has over a billion dollars. But you don't see him getting involved with things he doesn't need to get involved with publicly. Yeah, exactly. He sticks to himself. You know he built a golf course that fits his game so he can beat pros <laughs> over in Florida? I swear. He, so the fairways are shorter because he's not a long hitter. It's a private course, and you got like Roy McIlroy, Ricky Fowler, all uh, members there. <laughs> but they hit it through the fairway because it's too long. They're too long of hitters. And everything bends so right Everything bends right because he's a slicer? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that's perfect. 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 
Wouldn't that be great? He's got everything. He's got, he's got pro teams. He's got everything. I'm going to build a golf course so I can beat the pros. How about climate change? 50% of the way through the hurricane season, and we've had zero. Shocking. We've had a great monsoon we have season, a new, too. We have a new bill. We have a new bill to put it in there, which I'm going to talk about on the other part of the hour. You know, all electric cars, right? Nope. All I hear today, uh, 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 last week, I mean, and this weekend, was we can't afford, we can't do all this power. Everyone's having rolling blackouts right now. Think about that. How the hell are we going to have all these cars on electric? We'll be right back. It's the Money Matters Show. We appreciate you listening. We'll be back for the second hour. Say it's only a paper book. Welcome back to the second hour of the Money Matters Show. We've had a good, exciting, a lot of information in the first hour. As you know, the markets were down for the first time in three weeks. Uh, not much, though. 1.5% to 2.5%. We thought this was coming. As we said before, 4,300 was our target. We took some money off the table. We reduced our risk exposure. We sold off the two times indexes, and we ended up going ahead and putting a 5% position on to hedge the portfolio. I got a fun fact. You want a fun fact? One investor, get this, guys, one investor owns two-thirds of all U.S. companies. Ready for that? One investor owns two-thirds of all U.S. companies. Due to the surging popularity of index funds, Vanguard is now the number one owner of 330 of the 500 stocks in the S&P 500. How about that? Wow. How about that? I bet you the second is BlackRock. BlackRock is absolutely, uh, BlackRock is the number one owner of 38. Vanguard's got 330. BlackRock's got 38. Vanguard also controls 26% of all mutual fund assets. Now, I'm not too concerned about their, their holding of the ETFs because the ETFs are, are static. It's not like they're buying and selling, and, you know, it's just as in investor demand. Vanguard now has $5 trillion in assets, which seems like an awfully lot of money, unless you realize that that's 16% of our national debt. And th- wasn't it uh, BlackRock that the Federal Reserve used to use um, as their agent for the individual corporate bond buys that they did in the pandemic? Did they? I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't. So BlackRock. BlackRock is kind of like the agent for the Federal Reserve for doing the unprecedented individual corporate bonds. So I got one more fun fact. In 2022, so far in 2022, proceeds from R-rated movies are the lowest as a percentage of total box office in 25 years. R-rated movies are the lowest they've been in 25 years. And you say to yourself, "Well, why would that be?" And it's because. In the movie business, R equals risk. R can our movies can be really, really big, or they can really bomb. And with people just coming back to the theater after the pandemic, risk was uh, it was a risk off trade. So the risk, the R rated proceeds, the lowest they've been in twenty five years. I thought that was phenomenal. Oh, that's interesting. Kind of interesting. I didn't kind of put those two and two together. Yeah, I, I would have never awesome. thought of it. You know, people kind of want to do the the family oriented um, travel and. Yeah, that's why you saw Disney outperforming Magic Mountain, and you kind of see the R-rated movies not doing as good as the, you know probably the PG-13 movies because people just kind of want to be with the family, right? Well, we became stronger family units during the pandemic, right? Because we had to. You know what's interesting with that is shows like South Park. They used to be, I think it was TVMA, like for mature audience only. Sure. They're now TV-14. Hmm. They've, I don't know if they've changed the content. I just saw a thing on it. I don't know if they changed like. The amount of curse words they say or something in it. Cleaned it up a little bit. Yeah, it's got an, it's on TV 14 now. Interesting. 
So this week I saw a really big thing that stood out to me and it was Target sending out reports to the market saying that they had to unload their inventory because of lack of demand. And um, this made me think, and my prediction is at the end of the year, we'll see many more companies doing the same thing as as retailers go into a massive inventory shock with a lack of demand and too much supply finally hitting their inventory from all these uh, supply chain shocks that we've had in the past. Yeah, I think so. And I think we're, we're seeing, uh, we certainly, uh, uh, there's been no talk about the chip shortage. And, and we've been talking on this show for a few weeks now about the chip shortage being over. And it certainly feels like it's over, uh, but nobody's going to say it's over. Uh, I, I'm not hearing anyone complaining about lack of chips or cutting production because of lack of chips. So hopefully that's over. Uh, speaking of chips, uh, China, you know, we talked about real estate being the key to the U.S., whether it be whether the recession be shallow or deep or long or short. Um, I think it depends a lot upon how far real estate goes down. If real estate stays right where it is, drifts maybe five, 10 percent lower. I think the recession could be short and shallow, um, assuming real estate's the key. And that's my assumption. Um, I, I, if, a, if we were to see a more significant decline in real estate, obviously the recession could be deeper because then the tentacles would go out to Lowe's and, and Home Depot and Whirlpool and, and Target and, and uh, everyone who's involved in, in home uh, furnishings, uh, uh, Williams-Sonoma, uh, Restoration Hardware, uh, a lot of tentacles uh, out there if the real estate market really does take a dip. I don't expect that. But I do expect it in the Chinese re, um, housing market. We've talked about that a couple times. And Boy, do they have a problem. 21, that, yeah. of, 21 of their developers have gone under this year, Todd. Yep. 21 yep, developers in China have gone under. Unemployment's becoming a problem in China. Yep. You know, 20% of people under the, in their early 20s are out of work. 20% yep. of people in their early 20s are out of work. And that's why they have a huge um, population decrease. Um, they can't keep up. I mean, because in that... In that culture you have to have a job you have to have almost two houses to be um socially attractive to a to a mate right so you you're seeing the one child policy come back to bite because you have a whole bunch of males trying to get all these houses but they've never even been to these vacation homes to try to you know get them a mate and so there's a whole bunch of sociological problems going on in china right now right you got their draconian uh, covid policies where they open and shut open and shut you just did you see that one retail store that um, I forget if it was like a, it was like their IKEA or something like that, and I guess they traced a COVID somebody who was uh, got uh, exposed to COVID. They found that they were in that store, so they tried to shut it down. And you just had hundreds of people running out. They're like, screw this, I'm not getting stuck in here. Oh and man, pushing over people trying to get through the doors before they shut them. Yeah, I mean, trying to lock them in a retail store. Lock them in, and then the government brings you food and what a direct hazmat suits and everything. It's crazy. <sighs> July economic numbers for China reported last week were dismal to the point that the Chinese central bank cut its key lending rate. All around the world, rates are being increased, right? They actually cut. That's how desperate they are. They've cut the key lending rate. That's a big signal to me. Huge signal. Uh, uh, Apple's in talks with Vietnam to replace China. For some of their manufacturing. They should go to Mexico, like we've been saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. China's made a lot of bad decisions lately, and when you're when you're a one guy government, that's easy to do, right? Hey, Todd made a good point on Friday. Uh, do you think that they're going to go to war with Taiwan and try and make that the whole headlines of the news just Dis- to distract from the distract, crappy distract from what's going, going on, on right? distract yeah. from what's going on in the economy? Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. 
Yeah, right. It makes sense. And I don't understand, uh, you know, a policy going there. Okay, I, you know, you can't tell us what to do. And then some nondescript congressman goes there with his staff. And what, what are we doing here? Yeah. I what know. are we doing? Out of nowhere. Are we just, I, out of nowhere. Well, yeah. And she's like, I just want to reaffirm our allegiance to Taiwan or our backing or something like that. Yeah. And who well, are, out of nowhere. And who are you? You know, and why are you there? <laughs> it's, it's like, really? I couldn't tell you. That I don't either. You got a fun fact for, or you got a, uh, a tip from the table, Dylan? Yeah, I got a tip. We were talking about this on Friday with the bonds and the coupon raid and the yield to worst and all that stuff. So w- I'm going to give an example, and that's going to be the tip. Say, because we were talking about how, like, which, when do you get paid, what do you get paid, and all that, and yield the worst, and how it all kind of relates to the bonds. Sure. So say you buy a two-year bond, and you buy it at a discount, which par is 100, and you buy it at a discount at 97. And we're buying two-year bonds because that's where the highest rates are. Correct. Right. We're actually buying them. Yeah. So this example can be put to work. Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) So say you buy 10 10 bonds, $10,000 worth of bonds at 97. So then really you're paying $9,700 right now with a 2% coupon rate and a 3.5% yield to worst, which means that's the worst case scenario come maturity. And so in the next two years, you'll get $200 every year for the next two years. So you get $400 total in interest. And that pays usually pays semi-annually. It does pay semi-annually, yeah. yeah. You'll get so you'll get hundred dollars every six months. And then when it comes time to maturity, you'll get an extra three hundred dollars as a bonus. So then you'll get five hundred or seven hundred dollars total. So then you get you divide that by two because the bond is two years, and that's how you get the yield the worst at three and a half. Right. So you're actually getting three and a half percent interest on this individual corporate bond with the only risk being that the company, uh, American Express, Walt Disney, uh, Simon Properties, uh, you know. Toyota, go out, to- Honeywell. Go, Honeywell, Bristol Myers, <laughs> go out of business in the next two years. Uh, so it's, if you have uh, uh, risk-adverse money, this is a nice exactly. place to hide but, it. And that's the way to look at it. And the yield of worst is a good uh, rate to look at because that's the worst-case scenario for a bond that you buy. And you want to look at good companies if you're looking for some stability and put your money away in something safer. And we've been saying for a number of weeks that uh, we, we've mostly done into, uh, we mostly have done ETFs and mutual funds in this space, not so much mutual funds, but more ETFs. Uh, it just, the, the individual bonds had gotten attractive enough and the ETFs had got unattractive enough that we can actually switch to the individual bonds, get a one and a half to 2% more interest and be guaranteed to get our money back. And the reason that's happening is because interest rates are rising. So then the bond prices fall and the bond funds are stuck because they still have those actual bonds. So if you're in a bond fund, you lose that money. They've got the old bonds. Yeah, exactly. So if you're in a individual corporate bond, you don't lose the money with it. You have your principal no matter what. And the only way you're going to get money back from a fixed income uh, 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 mutual fund or a fixed income ETF is if interest rates decline. Correct. Something we're not likely to see in the next yeah. few So years. for a fixed income diversification with a little more stability and safe idea, right now bond funds weren't what we were looking for, you know? So yeah. corporate bonds were looking better. Two years from now, we'll get our, all of our money back, period, and we'll get to make the decision again. Yeah, exactly. Do we do two and years? Did you say the two-year bond was going for now? What do you The two-year bond, government bond? Two-year government bond, three and a quarter. Yeah. Yeah. You can actually look at those, too. You can actually look at a treasury. Yeah. Buy a treasury. Of course, uh, the the uh, uh, Todd, did you have a tip from the table? I do have a tip from a table, and mine's about the Greeks of options. And the four I want to go over, there's more than this, but the four I like to look at is the Delta, Gamma, Theta, and Vega. The Delta is the option. Sounds like a fraternity. It is, yeah, absolutely. That's why they <laughs> call them the Greeks. 
Um, the delta is how the option price itself increases or decreases given a $1 move up or down on the underlying security. So for example, say you have Apple and for simplicity's sake, it's trading at $100. If it goes up $1, your option, and if the delta is say 50, your option price will increase $50 if if Apple moves up $1. But if it, the vice well, versa, if it moves $50, down. $50, 50 cents. Okay, but you times 100 because options. Well, fifty dollars because you're you're if you're if your delta is fifty, right? Versus one, one is the same movement as the market. But okay, it so like if it's at fifty, it would be fifty that. times the movement of the market. All right, and then gamma is the rate of change of delta, and so for every dollar move, the underlying security goes up or down. Gamma is going to increase or decrease delta. Theta is time decay, so it's the cost of holding. The contract daily but this can also work for you if you have um say you're selling a, a, a call you're actually the you're going to be getting the theta as a bonus um each day because essentially every day that your your option contract is not in the money you are getting closer and closer to a worthless contract and so every day you hold a worthless contract it becomes closer and closer to the price of zero and a fun fact is 90 percent of options held to expiration expire worthless and therefore, you know, historically, it is better to be the seller of options than the buyer of our options. According to the Chicago Board Options Exchange, only 10% of option contracts are actually exercised. Okay, now you got to have some caveats, okay? It's not all options. It's options out of the money. Because an option in the money is not going to expire all the time. Well, an, X, an S&P option. Okay. Right? Now, in the money, out of the money options yeah. are the ones that expire, Okay. In the money options, don't uh, uh, the, you know you could because basically, if you're buying an in the money option, what you're saying is the stock has to decline by that much for it to expire worthless. It's out of the money options expire worthless. That's why the 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 professionals on this on on the floor that's what they do. Uh, the accounts that I, I like to deal with, like selling options, are great. Selling calls are great under the right circumstances. When the markets rally like this, it's a great time to sell calls. When the markets were lower, it was a great time to sell puts. Because if you sell a call too early and the stocks keep going, then you're wondering why you sold the call. And right. lastly, it's Vega. It's the increase or decrease in the price of the option given a 1% increase, decrease in implied volatility. And really, options should be used on a volatility bet. If you think uh, an option is really going to stay the same, there's a, there's a strategy for that. You're going to be doing a strangle. If you think an option is to make a big move, you can do a straddle, and that's essentially doing buying a call and a put or doing uh, a, a multitude of different strategies of hedging options to each other and trying to bet on a volatility move or lack of volatility. At the end of the day, options are complicated and risky. Most people want to buy them because that's the, the limited to that risk. Most of the time when you buy them, you're not going to sell them in time to get a profit. Options that you sell, covered calls, selling puts, if you know what you're doing, they're very lucrative, but you need to know what you're doing. They're not easy to do. These guys that sell these newsletters that say they're up 1,400% and right, right. everything else, they're all using options, and they hit one, and that's what they use for their entire uh, uh, returns. Yep. So we've got to be careful. Todd, I can say that it, uh, it's all Greek to me. Right? <laughs> Beta. Anyway, if you have questions regarding options, you should call Todd. Steph, did you have a tip from the table? I do. So it's it's more of a planning tip, <laughs> which Good. every week it is. But 
So a lot of times, you know, the 401k, especially with pensions going away, um, unless you're a federal or state employee, then you have a pension. But most corporations are not offering pensions anymore. And they're, you know, making you self-fund your retirement by offering a match. And I hear a lot of, especially younger people, well, I can't afford to contribute to my 401k. So there's a lot of issues with that because you're essentially throwing away free money, which is the match. Um, And I don't think they actually understand the numbers. So I found this chart that I, it's a great example. So it's saying that your salary is 35,000. So say you make $35,000 and you know, you're not saving in your 401k at all because you're, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, whatever the case is. So your taxable income is 35,000. Your federal income that you owe in FICA tax is $5,173 that you would owe to, you know, in taxes that's taken out of your paycheck. So let's say you decide to enroll in the 401k 10% and you can get that match that the employer is matching. So your base is 35,000. 10% of that that you put in your 401k on a yearly basis is 3,500. Your taxable income is now 31,500 compared to the 35,000, which means your taxes you're paying $4,753 because it's reducing your taxable income. So the amount of, you know, taxes that you have to pay is less than it was without doing the 401k. But your take-home pay is $26,747 compared to 26,000 if you didn't do it. So you actually save $420. By contributing to your 401k. So not only are you missing out on free money, you're missing out on saving money. So a lot of people don't understand that concept of reducing your taxable income and actually you're getting more money back and you're getting the match. So there should be no reason on why you're not doing that. And we can break down the numbers for you and show you what that looks like. But I think, you know, having that comparison, it's a huge wake up call for people because it actually does save you money and your help saving for your future because who knows what's going to happen in the long run with social security and all that. But it goes back to the planning and we can show you what that looks like increasing your contributions or maybe maxing out before you do want to retire. And then it breaks down into the pre-tax 401k versus the Roth 401k, which one's better. And it's not one answer fits all. It's all based on your individual situations. Maybe you're single, married, have kids, what are your goals? Are you in a high income tax bracket now? When do you plan on retire? All of that is a factor. So these people that listen to, you know, different social media, like TikTok has been very popular with people taking financial advice from, but again, they don't know your individual situation. So yeah, it's good, you know, as far as understanding credit and, you know, different things like that, but you can't take the advice of somebody that doesn't know your individual situation. And there was a guy on there that was talking saying how many times he gets asked, who is an advisor, what do I do with $10,000 right now? If I gave you $10,000 and his example was perfect. He's like, okay, well, do you go to a doctor and just say, Hey, like this is what's going on without an exam or explaining any of the details of their personal, you know, situation going on. No, you, they do a thorough exam. And that's the same thing as far as running your financial plan. Even if you are retired, there's adjustments that you can make to make sure that you're meeting your goals. Maybe you don't have enough income and there is that gap. Or maybe, you you know, the life insurance, what are your goals for life insurance? You're paying these premiums, increasing premiums for some of them, especially if they're older. What's the purpose of this and why do you keep paying it? Or, you know, what are your goals and understanding what that is and see if it fits. 
and making sure everything's protected and your assets are protected throughout your life because that's also, you know, a threat that's out there too, that you don't want to lose it all due to, you know, illness or maybe a lawsuit. Everybody's so happy lately and you never know. So it's your whole plan. It's so many different areas that we go through and it's so important to understand. And I think explaining, you know, the numbers and looking at your individual situation is most important. Well, you're saying something very important there, um, retirement planning. We're going to start seeing how bad it's going to get over the next 10 to 20 years. Because what's happened is our parents and grandparents, most of them have some type of pension. Yes. They work for corporations. Those pensions have gone away. But the parents and grandparents have saved money, and that was able to be some of the baby boomers' retirement money that haven't been saving money. They inherited money, and we've seen a bunch of that. The next group of people that are coming up are spending the inheritance and just don't save for themselves. The majority of people that think when they get to that age of 65, 66, 67, 8, 68, are going to realize they can't retire because they're not going to have the income they need. If they plan early, 30s, 40s, 50s, there's opportunity for them, but they keep saying they have to live paycheck to paycheck. Figure it out, people, because it's only you. It's going to be on you. You're going to be accountable for you and your family when you get older, but you're not going to have the money. And we don't see the deterioration of America on how much debt we have and how much less money most people are going to have. If you think we have a separation between the poor and the rich now, you wait to see in 20, 30 years from now how bad that separation is going to be. It's going to be huge. And you're going to have two classes, rich and poor, because nobody is going is, 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 is so many people are not putting enough money away for your retirement. So if you're listening to the show and you have kids and you know people out there, you got to tell them to come in and get planned. Okay? So they at least see the picture of, wow, I'm not going to make it. Or, wow, if I start putting a little bit away now, 100 bucks, 200 bucks, 500 bucks, I could do something down the road where right now I'm screwed. Well, yeah, and that's a big thing that we're seeing. And a lot of people don't aren't planning on leaving, you, you know, you say the boomers. I ask every single client that comes in, what are your goals for your money when you pass away? Uh, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to, you know, enjoy your retirement? Are you trying to leave money for your kids, your grandkids? And all of them, I want to enjoy my retirement. I don't want, if I have a dollar, dollar left, that's great. But my kids, I raise them to be, you know, self-sufficient, all of that. But I think counting on an inheritance is not a way to go. And I think a lot of these boomers are going to have that issue that they're spending, you know, the inheritance, but then their kids. Well, we're at the end of the boomers now. Well, no, but that's what I'm saying. The kids, yeah, they're they're spending it. So now, you know, their kids are not going to have, but they're counting on it and they're counting on social security and they don't understand how any of it works. So if you said people will tell you that they can't afford to contribute to a 401k. And you and I decided what? What? They can't afford not to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like I just, it, that example, you actually if, save money and you get money, you know, you have $420 left in your pocket. If you just put in the match, you make yes. 100% on your money. Exactly. Risk Are you free. kidding? Risk free. Are you kidding? But then you get money back because it reduces your taxes now. Another big issue is people relying on Social Security. Uh, a big concern is expected shortfall in social, rec- uh, social Security retirement payouts due to the lack of funding. And by 2035, Social Security Administration says their scheduled benefits will only be paid out to a rate of 77%, they think. Yeah, and it's that, been 20, Because no one wants to fix it, Todd. Yeah. 
Dave and I have been hearing this since the 70s. We're running out of money in Social Security. Where's the can so we can kick it down the road? Where's the can? Now it's 2032 or 2035. We're going to run out of money in Social Security. We do not have anyone that ever becomes president with enough guts to step up and say, we need to change this. Because the other party says, oh, all you old people, you're going to lose your Social Security. That's all bull. You're not going to lose it. But what's going to happen is our kids and our grandchildren is, yeah, we're very selfish. You can't trust the politicians. Selfish. You can't trust the politicians. You have to take the, your retirement in your own hands. You try, yeah. to, you try to fix Social Security and you'll end up like Liz Cheney. <laughs> that was amazing, wasn't it? That was absolutely Because amazing. you have to simply discuss it and have a simple plan to show people. And, and if you're president, you can constantly say it. But I remember Clinton had a plan. The Republicans hated it. Bush came back with the same plan, and the Democrats hated it. So we have been screwed for many, many years. The bottom line is you guys better take care of yourselves, otherwise you're in trouble. All right, we'll be right back. It's the Money Matters Show. we got two more segments. And we're going to get into something very interesting right now. We've had a lot of people wanting to do fixed index annuities. We're going to tell you the pros and the cons. Thank you for listening. Say it's only a Welcome back, everybody. It's the Money Matters Show. It's been a fun hour and a half so far. Whatever we got. Um, can I start off by saying a fun fact? You can have oh, any funny have fun fact, fact you want. What's the fastest growing sport in the country? You're stealing my fun fact. <laughs> Stephanie's stealing my fun fact. I have a fun fact on and Stephanie's feet? stealing it. On two feet? No, what's the fastest growing sport in the United States? On two feet. Period. Period. Fastest growing sport. sport in the United States. Pickleball. Absolutely. How did you Absolutely. Know that? Actually, Chris, are you want to be on the show? Sure. <laughs> I produce it. Yeah, it is pickleball. It is pickleball. And it's younger. It's going younger, right? Well, right. But if you think about it, it's going it younger. Nothing it's a great game. to people play it now. So well, why is that? it's it's been a thing for years in like retirement communities. This is an old person because it was smaller. It was a smaller tennis court, so it's easier to move. You don't have to run as much. But now it's just fun. Yeah, it's I perfect like for America. You don't have to hustle. So it's warm. Well, no, I think. Can it's, I can I just I jump in? People. Can I just jump in really fast? So I, I used to play tennis. I was in the USDA, believe it or not, and I graduated over to. This is Chris O'Gorman That's from right. KNSB. Hello, hello, Our um, producer DJ, and the producer of this fine show. Um, pickleball is for thirty a, years. <laughs> it feels like it. Um, pickleball is a blast. Have you played it? it no. It's the highest cardio workout you can get. Really? And it's uh, a, it's a great it's workout, running. bro. It's right up there, though. Let me tell you something. It's quick. you got to be quick on your feet, and it's a cerebral game. Don't be a hater. No, no, no. Chris, 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 I'm running 32 miles tomorrow night, okay? That's That's a little harder. 32 miles is for very few people in this world. Congratulations. Now, that's not yeah, the, that is not the fun fact. Right. <laughs> it, 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 okay, for those of you that don't know, it uses a wiffle-type ball. Yeah. Paddles look like ping pong, right, Chris? Yes, yes. And, and it's got a, a net like tennis. Yes. It was developed by two dads in Washington State in 1965 uh, to give their bored kids something to do. And, and, and it started off in mostly in retirement communities, but it's blowing up. I mean, there's a, so uh, it's a wiffle ball? Yeah, 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 with the holes in it. And they're popping up yeah. everywhere. It's yeah. like a hard. It, does it bounce or you have to hit it in the air all the time? Oh, no, no, no. It bounces. It bounces. Yeah, it's a harder it wiffle ball. Oh, okay. Yeah. Here's the fun. Playing wiffle ball. There was no way you could yeah, play no, pickleball without wiffle, wiffle ball. ball. It's just but standing on a ping pong great, table. Man. That's that's basically what it is. Stealing my tip from the I can't or stealing my fun facts, Jeff. That is so low. I was just. But waiting. that wasn't again. All right, let's not move a, on. No, 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 let's no, no. This on. is not it. We haven't gotten to the fun fact yet. 
The fun fact is, why is it called pickleball? After the dog. Yeah, because you stole my fun fact. <laughs> She's looking at my notes here. It's named. It was named after the founder's dog, Pickles, who would chase the ball during the game. And they said, it's Pickles Ball. So, oh, it's Pickles Ball, not Pickle Ball? Pickle Ball is what it is. Pickles? Pickle Ball. Oh, Pickles is the dog. Right. Pickle the so dog. called Pickle Ball. Yeah, pickle the, ball. the dog was named Pickles. Right. Uh, it's called Pickle Ball. So it's not Pickles Balls. No, it's, it's Pickles. <laughs> it's, I don't, that's a different game. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> that's a totally different game, yeah. We, jeez. <laughs> Boy, we're deteriorating. We're deteriorating quickly. We go. See what let's happens get, when we. Let's get back to what we wanted to talk oh about. I have, I have a theory about why this, but all of July and part of August, we've had a lot of people coming in looking for fixed index annuities, okay? Remember your statement in July, in June, was the lowest it's been all year. Yes. Okay? Yes. One of the things I've said is don't substitute your risk portfolio into a fixed index annuity by switching it out. Now, if you're not in the market and you want to start doing something as a bond substitute, a fixed index annuity has a lot of pros and cons. And there are a lot of pros, okay? And I'm going to let Stephanie, who does a lot with this, explain those to you right now. So, well, first I want to say I don't think people are coming in knowing that's what they want. Because we they come in because of the current environment where they're getting hit, even in, you know, bonds. Their bond funds are getting hit harder than some of their equity positions. So we do the plan. We go through it all and see, you know, what their needs are. Maybe they're short on income or they don't want to take any more risk at this point. All they're concerned about is protecting their principal. And taking the money from the bond funds. Yes, the bond is funds. the best way to do it. And that's what it cuz it's your whole picture. So your whole investable assets we talk about and you know, your expenses, all of that stuff. And that's when we recommend, you know, if a fixed index annuity is right for you and the amount of your portfolio percentage wise because we would never put, you know, 100% of your investable assets into a fixed index annuity. Um, but the advantages are, like I said, you're guaranteed not to lose your principal and there's really great products because we are in, in independent, we can shop around. We're not stuck to one company. So like when I worked for Chase, it didn't matter. There was one product. That's all you could, you know, sell and we're not selling anything. We're trying to help, you know, as a bond replacement, like you said, um, for their fixed income side. So we found one that's a five-year surrender. So you're not locked up for a long period of time. So a lot of people are thinking of it as a CD. So they're guaranteed not to lose it. And eventually when the market does turn around, which, you know, nine times out of 10, historically, they have, you know, positive but years. But they can't compare it to the market. They can't, no. They just can't. But, and, the, and the fallacy is they look at the index, like the S&P 500 index. Yes. They're not really invested in the index. Well, they're not. It's, but that's what how you're getting your gain. So say you put $100,000 in. Right. And the market's up 10%. The S&P, so say you pick the S&P 500 index, one year, point to point, meaning so the year that your contract, the date that your contract is issued, and a year from then, where it's at then, if it's up 10%, and say the cap on the fixed index annuity, meaning you get a 8% cap, you get that 8%, you don't get the 10% that the, mar- the S&P was up that, you know, for that one year, but you get the 8%. And then it starts again, you know, resetting for the next year. But then at that time, you can also make changes because they have different indexes. They have, you can mix, I mean, small cap, international, you know, they have all sorts of kinds. But but, what I'm saying is it's not really, as we know, with the caps, okay, it's not tied to the indexes in there. But what's good about it, here's the pro part. 
if it goes up 8% after expenses and stuff and you're locked in at 8 that's where you are. So if the next year it goes down, you're still up the 8%. Exactly. So Okay, that's a real good Yes. Tax deferred. Very good. Especially if it's a non-qualified account, yes. The best part is, is you're looking for somewhere between 3 and 6%. That's it. Right now, where are you going to get that tax deferred in the market? It, nowhere. In your bond, on your yeah. bond side, yeah. your fixed income side, not your risk side, your fixed income side. No, you're not. And right. then the five years compared to, I mean, I've we just saw one that was a 14-year surrender. Five years, that's not a long 14, time. Yeah, I know. 14 years. I can't believe someone sold someone a 14 year oh, they, surrender. Yeah, and they were not they were not our clients. We did not sell them that, and they I were know. not happy. You don't believe, Gene? What do you think the front commission was on that thing? Oh, when they <laughs> sold it, probably 8 to 10%. Well, and yeah, that's another— 8 to 10%. So, and then another positive is, is that, you know— <sighs> Yeah, you have the five years, which I guess would be the negative. It's liquidity, but you can take out the 10% each year if you did need it, and it's RMD friendly. So if you did put your IRA because you're just trying to protect your principal and you know get some sort of growth when the market does go up, <coughs> that's also a reason to do it. But they have so many different annuities, different riders, long-term care riders. There's income riders. Yeah, talk it's- about the long-term care rider. We've been doing a couple of those. Lately. <coughs> those, those, those actually have been attractive. Yeah, so... There's this one company that, you know, has a fixed annuity, which is different than a fixed indexed annuity, which means it's really like a CD. You're guaranteed to get, you know, a percentage. So yeah, I think it was like 3.6 was the recent one. Without just 3.6, no participation in the market, no. Yes. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a CD. CD. Yeah. Right. So and then you have the surrender period. Right. But what they have is a long term care writer. So if you're getting the 3.6, the long term care writer is about 1.5%. So really, you're netting about 2% interest that you're getting on it, but you have long-term care coverage, which gives you double or triple depending on, I mean, you don't have to have a physical, but it's your medication and your health history, and you can get up to triple. So if you put $400,000 into this you know, fixed annuity with a long-term care writer and you end up needing long-term care, meaning you can't complete two daily living activities like feeding yourself, bathing, you know, um, dressing, all of that stuff, then they send you a check. But if you qualify for the triple, you get $1.2 million in coverage, where they just send you the money if you needed assisted living in-home care. Right. Assi- you know, you don't, you're not stuck to going to a nursing home or assisted living facility. But they, they're sending you a check. And if you don't need it, yeah. guess what? You're still making your three-point-something percent. Well, yeah, you're two after the, two, you, the rider. Two after the rider, right. But that's one alternative. But you're not good just paying premiums. Exactly. And a lot of there's – there's not many companies that offer long-term care insurance outright anyway. And I mean, they all, there's also products, long-term uh, life insurance with long-term care options. The point is, is that everybody's different. Your situation's different. But we have a lot of solutions that people don't know about and, you know, know the advantages and disadvantages. But every time annuities come up, most people have a negative attitude towards them because I don't think they understand how they've evolved through the years. The perfect investment for you might be one you don't even know exists. Exactly. Right. So come on in, see Steph, see Dylan. Oh, and one more point I want to make is that, you know, a lot of people are very nervous with, you know, companies going maybe bankrupt or anything like that. So, you know, everybody talks about keeping your money in the bank as FDIC insured. Well, that's great. Insurance companies are also insured by the state in the same way that the FDIC is as far as dollar wise and, no, you know, the different the, products. More because the state only, uh, the, uh, the banks only insure you up to 500000 well, it's 250 per registration, so there's right. ways around that. But, I mean, again, it's – but the state, that's what it, each state does, have their own – it's guarantee funds, you know, right. with guarantee the insurance funds. companies. So something to think about.
Well, it's just like banks. They have to put money aside. Yes. Capitalization. If they run low on the capitalization, they need to bring in capital. But we still always look for a, you know, rated companies. Oh, of We're course. not looking for junk companies that no, are going to no. give you these guarantees and then. A rated you know. companies, good companies, been paying out for a long time. Yes. Yeah, there's so many uh, different ways to approach an annuity, and there's so many ways to package an annuity. You have to be with someone that you trust, someone you know, and that would be us, Steph. Exactly, and be careful when you hear those commercials about bonuses, because I can explain all of that to you, because it's not it's accurate. Not oh, 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 oh you mean a 25% bonus yes. and 10% a year? I've been fixing those for those people. Yes, anyways, yes. it's not, don't believe everything you hear right you know well, apple dean you know apple now accounts for 7.3 percent of the s p 500 and oh. microsoft is six percent of the s p 500 that's the highest percentage for two names in the history of the s p 500 and the i love top, both those companies huh and i love both, they're those both hey, speaking, i got a story on the other side so of does everybody else an interesting one, but we're coming up on a break soon. So, so why don't you take us out of the break there, Mr. Greenberg? Hey, so we're coming up on a break, but when we come back, you got the last segment of the Money Matters show. Don't say it's not true. It, it is. is. But we got a full house. <laughs> All right, guys. We're coming up to the last segment. We just went over a lot of the uh, FIAs, uh, fixed index annuities, great things. The complicated, call us because there's so many different ones. Don't be sold the product without it fitting into your entire portfolio. Also, don't do it either if you're just afraid of the market and all the stuff you had in the market, you're taking out because you're afraid. Diversify. Allocate. That's what this is all about so you don't come back. When we come back, we have some fun stuff to talk about. I hope you're enjoying the show. We really hope that you like us because we like you. And when you come see us, we like you even better. Just give us a call. We'll see you soon. Say it's only a oh, welcome back. Last segment of Money Matters Show. We have everybody here today, including our producer, O'Gorman. You might have heard of him. He's been around a long time. He's on long my time. favorite station, 92.9 The Bull. Yeah, horns up. Thank you. <laughs> horns up The Bull. Listen, what you don't know about Chris and I, Chris and I used to do the uh, sports show yeah. on here. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I had my, And then I did a sports show, you remember, with Glenn, uh, Glenn Parker? Yeah, we used to do it here in the studios. The Chris O and Dino show? Yeah. Or was it Dino and Chris O? No, I had top billing, I'm sure. No. <laughs> Doesn't matter. No, but we would fill in for Brian Jeffries. And, right. And, yeah. We but had we, a, then we had our own show. We, and then we had our own show. How long? Right. It wasn't long. Did, yeah, but, about, a, about uh, we, nine months, I think it was. No, was it that long? Yeah. We had a great time. Yeah. We would argue. And it, was I, when, it, was, it was when they still had, uh, KNST still had the uh, Wildcats. The Wildcats. Then when they switched to the other station, yeah. Glenn Parker and I started the show over there. Right, and then I stole and you back was, and brought you fun. back here. The what? Then I stole you back and brought you yeah. back here. Well, I got out I got out of doing the sports show right. because I was too close to the coaches. And yeah. they said they said you either you either decide that you're not doing the sports show or stop coming over here for Thanksgiving. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and do you remember back then in those days, like Stoops was doing the coaches show at McMahon's right. or at the Jim Click dealerships at twenty second at Wilmot? It was a whole different it was different then. Just walk no, down tw- memory lane has been special. 20 years ago. Are you glad that? Okay, yeah, David. this is good is radio. That, is that your kid? This is good radio. Talk about pickleball yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't talk about it for guy. an hour if Stephanie hadn't stolen my fun fact. Blame it on me. That's fine. Stephanie. I don't understand, Dave, at your age, why you're not playing pickleball. Yeah. <laughs> Dave's in shape for it. You'd be great at it. Thank you. I Thank think you. he would. Maybe. I, I would dominate. No, I don't think he's competitive. I enough. would dominate. It's not fair to the other people. It's not fair. Yeah. I think he's definitely not competitive enough. No, I'm not competitive at all. Yeah. No. No, no. Hey, we've talked a lot about uh, 
electric vehicle range, Stephanie. Yes. 300 miles was fairly normal. Yes. And then Lucid came out with the 520 mile, uh -huh. which is the world's longest. Mercedes has an R&D project called the Vision EQXX that recently did 747 miles. Now, I bring this up because it, it may be a solution. This prototype has, uh, electric, has solar cells in the roof. That would work. That, that helps boost, that helps, takes the, uh, some of the pressure off the battery, Dean, right. and gave them that extra mileage. Then, okay, then why are you only going 700 miles? Well, and that's why if, so, it's al if it's already rejuvenating itself from well, no, the no, sun. No, no, oh, no, it's, it's not. monsoon season, what, so what, there's clouds coming. What are you shaking your hand, Todd? It's, so there's not enough square feet of the solar on the roof to take care of the energy that is being correct, expended. Correct. What it's doing is it's taking care of the you radio. You while you're driving until it gets filled up. You don't have enough energy being produced from the square feet of, of the cells on top of the roof than you are actually expending through driving. I mean, because it would look pretty ridiculous if you actually had the big panels, right? Like on a house. But you're telling you me panels, with technology, you don't think. Think about the phone, okay? You guys weren't around when we had the punch cards, okay? Remember those days? <laughs> I do. All right? To do hanging calculations, <laughs> an chads. IBM computer took an entire basement up. Are you talking okay? about the hanging chairs? Okay, but you're talking, okay, you don't know how it works, though. And so that's what Todd's trying to explain. What so. I'm saying is the one thing I've always don't understand is how we can do this with our phones, but we haven't done it with solar technology. I believe that we could do it, that we can do. Do you plug your phone in, Dean? Do what? Do you plug your phone in? I do. Okay, so you. What you but I'm talking about to be able to get more and more time out of smaller and smaller uh, 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 squares. Think about the chip now. The little little chip that we have to get from freaking Asia, okay? The batteries are getting better and better. Right. But sooner or later, solar needs to get better. If they work on it. It is. I, yeah, they'll, they'll eventually. You got, you, Technology you know what, guys? is exponential. What I'm saying is work on it and get it done. It has been stopped from the auto okay, industry I, in, I, in, for a long, long time. How long take for the cell phone, the big brick? To become what it is now. 20 years. Exactly. Look, hey, it, okay, we've been done with solar for 70 years. Okay, I solar remember in the on your 50s. house and the car, In the 50s, vehicles. people okay. were talking about solar. Okay. And the technology wasn't too. ready for it. Yes. Because I think, they don't want to. But I think this is a nice idea, getting back to the, the car, I think it's a nice idea. Because it, what it does, it takes the pressure off. It can run the radio. It can run the dis display, which takes a lot of the pressure off the battery that's actually turning the wheels. Uh, might be onto something. I kind of like it. It's a step in the right direction, you it know, because then you build from it, just like once we went to, like, the flip phones and all that, then all of a sudden they bring out this iPhone, and now all of a sudden every phone is a touchscreen. I you know, like the flip phone. You know what's the best thing about the Mar-a-Lago raid? Phone. You know what's the best thing about the Mar-a-Lago raid? It got CNN off of the January 6th deal. <laughs> <laughs> January 6th is gone. We don't hear about January 6th anymore. All we hear about is Mar-a-Lago, day and night. Oh, but, but they went into Mar-a-Lago because, because of January, of January 6th. 6th. But yeah. if, you ever, if you ever want to get an update on Mar-a-Lago, just turn on CNN. And, and I really want to see from that, now that we're on that subject, the word they keep using is nuclear secrets. What secrets for nuclear is he going to go ahead and give to the Russians, which he wasn't even friends with, which we already proved already. The nuclear code. Right, did you yeah, hear this? The code. He has the nuclear code. Right. Uh, and, and, and there was a guy on, actually it was Bill Clinton's uh, <laughs> chief of security. And Bill Clinton, this guy says, that's insane. The, the nuclear code has changed all the, all time. the time. And when somebody leaves the White House, I promise you, the nuclear <laughs> code the next day is not going to be the same. Yeah, his could be from like the day he went into office in 2017. Is there somebody <laughs> even having the nuclear it's such code a joke. in Mar-a-Lago? 
oh, oh, so these wackos, yeah. oh my God, he's got the nuclear code. You remember they used to say, I'm afraid he's going to hit that button, that red button. He's just going to slap it down. One night he's going to, instead of tweeting, he's going to hit the freaking red button and it's all going to come to the end. Who's got us in freaking war? Yeah, What's right? Trump? He was the only president in the last, what, 25 years yeah. that didn't put us in a war? Yeah. China's Actually, hoping that Trump doesn't get back and put, in. And did a very crucial peace accord in the Middle East that no one wants to talk about. Nobody. Nobody wants to talk. No, we want to go change Iran's deal again. Let them go ahead and, uh, and, and stop being terrorists again. There's something wrong. Just look at the common sense of what's going on. So maybe all this stuff with money and everything won't matter. It's, it's, un, it's unbelievable <laughs> to watch. And, and you said in your monologue that you've never uh, been more, more embarrassed by, by yeah. your leaders. Yes. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's, it's, it's absolutely embarrassing uh, what's, what's going on in this country and the weakness that we show uh, internationally in this country from our leadership. Well, what's really bad right now is social media puts out stuff that the saying came from people and they're all made up. People just are making up stuff, okay, to make people look bad mm -hmm. on both sides. Yeah. And it's terrible, okay? And it, where's it coming from? And the leaks that they give to the news, the little, little leak stuff. I hope they bring these people right to the table. I want to see this thing opened up. I want to see what's on there. Just like Comey screwed the whole thing up. I mean, how does Hillary get off there? And then they did it. The bottom line is, we're in trouble as a country. And if you think that it's, it's not happening now, us raising our debt, how are we, as individuals that have less and less money for retirement, going to be able to pay the debt that these administrations keep saying they have to pile on. Because they kick it down, you know, just like Social Security. It's not their problem. And then they just it gets worse and worse. But right. and at then, some point, it will have to be, you know. And the, the debt to GDP we mentioned last week is as high as it's been since World War II, which was an all-time record high. Yeah. But then there was a reason. You had to either print the money or be annihilated, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, I showed you a, uh, a picture earlier this week, Dave, about the political division over time in the U.S. And then it started in the 1970s where you actually saw that people, not in the well, actually before, in the 1950s, people would actually compromise on both sides. Republicans and Democrats would actually try to come to a compromise and find a solution Ever since the, you know, you see the birth of the 1971 when we get off the gold standard, and really when we get the the introduction of social media, it just seems like they're on one side or the other. I mean, you you look at this graph, and at one time there's just like a big gray circle, seeing compromise, and now there's just left, blue, and red, right, and that's all it is. It was the 24/7 news cycle. That's CNN. The, the development of CNN by Ted Turner sounded good at, on good on paper, but it was news uh, at first. But it was news at first, but it's 24 hours a day on, on MSNBC, on CNBC, on, on uh, uh, Fox, on, on CNN. And, and guess what? There's not 24 hours right, worth so you of news. Right, so you got to make up stuff. So you start making, making up but news. But then it's your opinion. It's not right. the facts. So right. that's the problem. And then people don't know how, on certain sides and certain things. They don't actually know what they're talking about because they watch this and then they, you know, they don't do any research themselves or have common sense, which I don't understand. What was that show, Dave? Just the facts. Yeah, just facts. What was it? That yeah. was Dragnet? Uh, Dragnet, yeah. I think yeah. it was Dragnet, yeah. wasn't it? Facts, just the facts. Yeah, facts, just the facts. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's, it's... That would be a great news show.
facts, just the facts. I, I went back and forth. No I was go, the other day I was going back and forth. But I was on the treadmill and I'm going back and forth on my phone between CNN and Fox. And it's unbelievable. You turn on CNN and they're just bashing the heck out of Trump. They're just wanting to get rid of Trump no matter what it costs. You go on to Fox and they're just bashing Biden. They want to get rid of Biden. They're talking about Afghanistan. It's, it's unbelievable. Just hatred going both ways. Absolutely no. Uh, Chad, you, you're so young you don't remember when politicians actually cared about the country more than themselves. You know, Liz Cheney had did Seth they, Lynch. Did they really? Or, yeah, or we just so. didn't know about it because of social media? Because we still don't know who killed Kennedy. Yeah. Was it the CIA? Was it the FBI? Or was it Oswald? We know it wasn't Oswald because that would be a miracle shot off of some damn tree that bounced off the road that bounced into its head. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's difficult. It really is difficult. The, uh, we have some good economic news on the, on the uh, retail sales, Dean. Uh, retail sales were unchanged in July, but if you take out autos, they actually rose yeah. a better than expenses, four tenths of one percent. Schools back. Yep. Ten and points, that's why. Retail and sales ten point three percent above last year. And uh, consumer debt, credit card debt is increasing. Yep. Every every single month. Yep. Record all time. Just like a, like America, well, increase the debt. Yep. And don't make as much money. But seventy percent of uh, GDP is. Retail sales, so it's a, that's a good number, and it, it probably argues uh, against a deep, long recession. All right, Dylan, what do you got? we got about a minute left. What's going on next week? Todd, you can go first because Dylan's eating. <laughs> All right, so next next week I'm looking at some technicals. I think the next support we see on the S&P will be around the 4,200 level. Dylan? Yeah, I was, agree with that. we got some – obviously we got some more uh, economic news coming out, so that always influences the markets one way or another. Stephanie? I think people are still worried that the Fed's going to raise rates and it might, you know, be another pullback. But I'm going to be working on the uh, annuities, like always. I'm watching Bitcoin. I think it's the ultimate risk asset to see if this big sell-off continues. Stay patient. You'll have your opportunities. Reduce your risk when it's up there. We already did. We'll see you next week where your money matters. Let's all be happy. Let's all be healthy. And at the end of the day, we all strive to be profitable. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.